What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. This is part two of Deep Space Nine's pilot, Emissary. So uh, if you missed the first half of Emissary, you know, you, you missed us talking about a lot of nonsense. So uh, mm -hmm. hop on back and watch part one. But if you have, thank you so much for watching. Uh, and if you enjoyed it, please, uh, you know, do the like and subscribe and notification thing. It really, really helps us. Uh, we really enjoy doing this, but that helps us, you know, eat as a result of it. So very quickly to, to recap, Right, uh, Cisco's there. He's on a fetch quest to get uh, to find the celestial temple. We've uh, we've met a bunch of folks. We're here watching on Sunday, January third, nineteen ninety three. We're listening to "I Will Always Love You," and this episode continued to be directed. This is part two. Uh, continued to be directed by David Carson, and was written by Rick Berman and Michael Pillar. And uh, so, very quickly. I got three more pieces of fun trivia here uh, before we continue talking about the episode. And uh, this is an interesting one involving spoilers. This is the only episode of Deep Space Nine where the wormhole does not appear in the opening credits because it was a major spoiler. So, uh, hmm. so all subsequent credits will feature the wormhole but this one did not and uh i mentioned this before in the part one but this episode features a complete rewrite of the trill species and we talked about how the memories were shared and this that the other thing but also they did a redesign of the prosthetics the facial prosthetics that you see on the next generation um as well as the uh, symbiote itself looks different but they went from prosthetics to spots um, because, you know, it's Terry Farrell. You want to put prosthetics on her? No. You want right. to throw some spots on there. Uh, it was, a, I, I think, makes a lot of sense um, because, you know, why would you want to do all that? So the last piece of trivia is this was one of the most expensive pilots of all time at the time, uh, which was uh, is a $12 million budget in 1993 so today that's 23 million dollars in today's dollars for uh a budget now of course in this day of uh disney plus marvel series it doesn't seem like a lot uh but then a it was a syndicated show this did not broadcast on any of the networks any of the major networks um it wasn't a cbs show or an nbc show um like it was before and later this was syndicated so it sort of aired whenever, whatever channel bought it. For me, um, it aired on Saturday nights, I believe, uh, in Vermont on ABC 22, which was uh, our local network there. But the budget was half of the budget of Star Trek VI, the, the movie? feature film. Yes. Wow. So, uh, and they spent $2 million on sets alone which is a huge amount of money, which of course, you know, you had to build the sets for the whole rest of the series, but um, you can see it because they on screen that they put a huge amount of money into this, uh, into this series. So uh, Mike, are you excited to get to part two? 
I am Keith. We, you know, there's orbs. We got to figure out what the orbs have to do with mm -hmm. anything. The orbs seem to be coming from one spot, so we got to sneak away using some Odo magic to get uh, the head start, the jump to this uh, cluster. Mm -hmm. So uh, we got to see where we go from here. Let's go see if we can find the Celestial Temple here in our screening room. Let's take a look at Emissary Part 2. So this is Act 5 of the two-part episodes where we see Cisco and Dax head off in a runabout to try and find the Celestial Tempo. Tempo, Tempo. Second time I've done that. And uh, boom, they get sucked into a crazy tunnel of light. Actually, you know what? You can see some shots here of the inside of the runabout. Which is cool. Uh, which It's another set, right? So they had to have the uh, the big set for the uh, for their shuttle, which you only see on one episode of Next Generation. Um but uh, here we are, boom, uh, CGI from 1993, and we're sucked into this tunnel. And as Terry Farrell shows off spouting technobabble with a straight face, they go through the tunnel and they exit it and discover, I mean, you know, look, these effects, they look pretty silly for today. But for 93, this was big doings. Um, and you can see... Uh, what they had to, you know, practical effects, right? They're in a set. They've got a green screen behind the shuttle there. And they they don't have the shuttle on a gimbal. They're tilting the camera back and forth. And, you know, there's plenty of Star Trek lore about the shaking and this, that, the other thing. And you shake the camera and have the actors shake. And, you know, they've been doing it the same way since the 60s. Uh, so we we uh, we hop out. It was fun to just hear them say, technobabble, 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 wormhole wormhole like, all right i got that one well we discover that they uh went through a wormhole which is a a really big deal it's a black hole that goes out both sides and they're able to travel great distances and they find out boom again that they have gone all the way to the gamma quadrant eighty thousand light years away uh which uh that's eighty thousand years at the speed of light which is, uh, it, I don't know if you know, that's very far away. I almost did Trump. I don't know if you know. It's very far away. It's, you know, like it's very far. It's very far. Anyway, uh, it's a wormhole, and it's the first stable wormhole they've ever seen. So it is not only able to transport them 80,000 light years away, which is 100 years at warp nine or whatever it is. Uh, it's also stable. So it's a really big deal for the entire federation for the whole quadrant this is a big deal uh so and they gotta then, test it keith that's why they do the u-turn right and they're like well let's just make sure let's just make sure we can yeah, get our back uncharacteristically wisely for starfleet officers they turn right around and go home but well, uh they try to so so mike does the, the implications of a wormhole dawn on you here like what what are you thinking are you when well, I was happened. thinking, in fact, I took a note. I was trying to remember when Stargate came out because I was like, wasn't that, that was kind of the premise of Stargate, right? They're like, oh, we found this passage that can beam mm -hmm. us somewhere else. Uh, so the idea of that in a Star Trek universe is awesome because that's a lot of uh, opportunity to uh, zip zop across the galaxy or across the universe. Uh, and and my thoughts actually were exactly what I said before. It, it was a lot of like technobabble, 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 wormhole. Here's all the exposition exposition you need in a very short period of time. Uh, but you know that's TV. I, I I was cool with it. So now I want to know. Obviously, the next question is, 
does this lead us to the orb chamber? Let's find out. Let's find out. Well, uh, so they go home, but uh-oh, their ship is mysteriously stopped and they're forced to land on a misery dark lightning planet. So here we're so uh they they land in the middle of a wormhole, which is super weird, and Cisco goes out and it's you know, it's planet hell. They've got uh, Is it though? Is it planet hell? Is it though? Because guess what? Dax experiences it as uh, the same park that they keep shooting a million away missions on, uh, <laughs> including uh, they go to the nice planet where it's the same one where they they go to the nice planet with a bunch of nudists try to execute Wesley. Oh. Uh, yeah, season one of uh, Next Gen. We all know it. Uh, but then the pesky orb shows up and scans them, and Dax is zapped away. And Cisco is sucked into white nothingness that omnipotent beings love to zap you to. So what what are you thinking here, Mike? Um, well, I don't know. I can't I and your recap, I don't know if we're to the part where it's cool, but I, in the beginning, uh obviously I think it's cool that we're getting different experiences because clearly the orb power that we we saw when we first were uh investigating the orb is here. Is the orb is it like advanced tech? Is it a being? Is it a person? Is it a thing? We don't know quite yet, but I, I think we're about to find out through our conduit here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, a couple of things. You know, A, I don't quite know what the... They're seeing different, you know, versions of this means. I don't... Like, it, it was kind of like a cool idea that they came up, but I don't think they finished writing that idea. So it was like a let's show off our cool green screen effects. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I kind of saw it a different way. I, I kind of my takeaway was that since they so, they seem to infer their communication, audiovisual communication via your sort of consciousness or your memories, I just figured he was in a dark place, kind of in here. So he saw a dark reality, and she had a more sort of stable Zen kind of thing. That's great. <laughs> wow no hey you know what mike just got an a on the term paper understanding the subtext that dumb dumb me never picked up on after no, all no, of you picked years. up you just thought it was we wanted to show off our cool green screen effects <laughs> you can see where you can see where my subconscious lives today keith like my key out sucks <laughs> my key out not, sucks. yeah exactly. i'm not happy with it i'm not happy with my key out <laughs> So you but, would uh, see a lightning. You would probably your your existence, your your perception would have probably been a giant green screen room. It's probably it probably would have like where I could never get the key right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's that's probably exactly right. Uh, yeah, well that's that's cool. Um, I love the effect you can see behind us here, of like the earth cracking and opening him up. Like that's a really that's a pretty cool mm -hmm. effect. And and my and question cool. though is where does where does Dax go? Like when he now is having this community. Well, for all we know, this all happened like a hot second, right? That's right. I mean, lots of different things. You know, we're going to find out where, more about where, you know, Dax goes. But uh, because the orb, uh, so he goes to the omnipotent place uh, and he starts talking to folks. Oh, you know, I didn't, I didn't, uh, didn't do this uh, in the screenshot, but the orb zooms out of the wormhole and uh, Kira and O'Brien beam it aboard the station, despite the station being very far away from the wormhole. This will matter later, but we're going to ignore the range of a transporter. 
And it turns out the orb was bringing Dax back to the station so Cisco could have a conversation with some sort of alien creatures speaking through people in his memories. Which is uh, what we're what we're seeing here. He's sort of having these hallucinations of people from his life trying to communicate with him through these uh, alien folks. Now, back on the station. Or oh, vice versa, right? Like they're, the alien fo- or the being, I just kept calling it a being because it's not really defined if, if it's what it is at the point. It's a consciousness. What, but anyway, they they can't speak the language, so they use your pre- your memories, your memories, yeah, to communicate to, to you. Communicate. Yeah, that's that right. was cool. That's right. In fact, Super the Transformers cool. stole it, and so did a lot of like sci-fi steals that idea. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a very cool idea that they're sort of like telepathic and getting get into your brain and your past and present and future, and it's we'll we'll get into all the time, time lord of it all. Uh, but uh, back at the station, Dax tells everyone about the wormhole they realized that a stable wormhole is a big freaking deal and that the Cardassians are going to want it too. Uh, They hatch a crazy plan, Mike, to move the giant station from the orbit of Bajor to the mouth of the wormhole. Uh, Did you understand what they were trying to do here? No. Uh, In fact, I almost forget this scene entirely. All I remember from this beat is like the Cardassians like go. They like figure it out and they beam off to try to get them to get there. Yes. So, uh, you know, they, they're only able to sabotage it for a little second. But the the implications of what this wormhole means to Bajor, right? Because it's basically they've they've opened up a, a tunnel across the river to Manhattan. Right. Mm-hmm. And that and who owns the tunnel is a big is is a big deal. So that the tunnel goes all the way to the gamma quadrant, which means there's going to be, you know, a, a whole bunch of other species and civilizations and trade. And um, it's going to be a hub of the entire quadrant. So it's very important who owns mm-hmm. that that hub. So the Cardassians are going to want it, too. Right. And so what they want to do is get the station there to sort of plant the flag and claim this this wormhole for Bajor, right? So it's it's very, very important that it's like planting the flag on the moon. Who gets there first gets to own this momentously important thing. And for Bajor, a planet that's been occupied, that's poor, that's just getting itself together, it's a huge deal. And for the Federation, it's a huge deal to have control over the wormhole. So uh, they pick up Bashir, and uh, march to the promenade to show Paramount all the money they spent on the set wasn't wasted. And in this, we learn an interesting piece of information, Mike, that we learn that Odo is the only one of his species that anyone has ever encountered, but that he was, or and he was discovered near the mouth of the wormhole. So he wants to tag along to try to figure out where he came from and if there are any others of his kind. So that's a that's going to be a big plot point moving forward. So I, di- I didn't want that to to get lost there um, in all of the exposition. So so do you so you you sort of you understand it now? I wish they'd made that a little clearer for you in the first first. Yeah, I mean, around. I understand the importance. I mean, then they reaffirm it later towards the end of the episode why it's yeah. going to be happening. But uh, <clears throat> it makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So uh, 
at the beginning of Act Six, we have some uh, baseball players and other people from Cisco's memory. They're trying to communicate with him, and they are saying that these people uh, going through the wormhole are a threat to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Cisco tries to explain uh, that he's not a threat, but also the very concept of linear time. So uh, this is what I wrote down. I was like, "Damn." First episode, let's discuss the very nature of linear time. Uh, <laughs> that's like biting off. It's not just let's set up the chess pieces. It's let's play uh, chess master and uh, sit down. We're having a conversation. And through like sports metaphor, I've actually thought two things. One, his explanation is very intricate and not, uh, I don't think they. it's ham-fisted in any way. And it also mm-hmm. sort of gets to and and his performance here is so excellent uh, in in bringing his he, a realization for himself before we even get to the emotional release, but just yeah. introducing the importance of and you have you and many of our uh, subscribers to the channel have have said to me before, the whole thesis of Star the Star Trek universe really is that it's the unknown because I think basically in this beat the being is like well the concept of linear time sounds incredibly scary. Uh, why would you want to, how could you exist? It, it seems incomprehensible that you could exist with not knowing what was coming. Uh, and he says at one point, he's like, it's the unknown. It's the unknown that is the journey. Uh, and I thought that was such co- sort of a great consolidation of the sort of whole thesis of the show, probably, as well as the larger universe. Um, so I just thought, hell, another ep- another point where they were like, it's not just about putting money on the screen, right? They showed some balls. They had him go head to head with the card, and now they're take, t- tackling huge sci-fi concepts. Uh, I like the gusto, baby. Yeah, no, I, I, I do too. And I thought they did a really good job of like, how would you explain linear time to something that doesn't live in a linear fashion? Um, and and I, I, it was. Like you said, super heady, super cool, super well, sci-fi, super Star what, Trek. What I did find lacking, maybe you can throw your two cents in. Yeah. I found, I couldn't understand why the being or the species, whatever, the the orb thing uh, was felt um, attacked or felt endangered. Like he didn't really, he didn't really say because clearly that's why we hadn't found the wormhole before, or they've been sort of elusive with the orbs and stuff. I didn't quite get a, a, a reasoning. Yeah, I mean, it's a little murky, um, but that people going through the wormhole and causing chaos and bumping into stuff, uh, they exist in this wormhole, right? So if you if you mess with the wormhole, you're messing with them, is what I took from that. Mm-hmm. Um but that, uh, you know, and that people going through was causing damage. And what Cisco was saying is like, we're not doing it on purpose, right? We're not, you know, like, let us figure out how to do it in a way that's not causing damage. And their point about linear time, why are they talking about it? Because they're like, well, if you, how could you not know that you were causing damage? And right. it's like, well, I, I don't know what was going to happen. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know the answer before I ask the question. So, um, anyway, lots more uh, delving into that world um, as we go. But meanwhile, back on the station, Chief O'Brien, the uh, brilliant engineer we all know him to be and will continue to, 
has a uh, has a plan to move the station because the station itself doesn't have really any engines. It doesn't have a warp drive. It's not designed to be moved. It's designed to be static. <coughs> so all they have are a few little thrusters. But O'Brien has a plan to lower the mass of the station so it can move faster. Uh, it's a hard work on an old clunker, but it's O'Brien, so we know he's got this. Um, so uh, cool. Here we get into sort of the techno babble sci-fi concepts. Really cool. Um, I, I, as a kid, loved the idea of like, oh, let's create some sort of a force field or whatever that lowers the mass of the station. So it because it makes a little bit of sense. Um, meanwhile, Kira and the crew are on a race with Gull Dukat to get to the wormhole. Uh, Dukat has really great information, apparently. So bad guys uh, always do, Keith. Bad guys always do. Bad guys always do. That's oh, every treasure hunt movie too. They're like. You find the secret chamber, whatnot, and then somehow the bad guy who had none of the information that you had gets there too. Yeah, yeah, they know it. But the, you know the Cardassians and their—they uh, have good intelligence capabilities, and that will be a thing moving forward. So uh, Cisco keeps talking to the aliens and uh, uses his wife's death and uh, the trauma of that uh, to explain linear time. Because they don't un they don't understand the concept of death itself. Uh, anyway, I, speaking of before I go back, I love the visuals here of getting the thrusters and getting the uh, the sort of bubble there going. Um, looks really cool. Anyway, so yeah, go ahead. Uh, just a quick shout out uh, because I'll forget otherwise. The whole linear time, the whole be the whole huge chunk of this episode where he's he's communicating with the alien is such a directorial achievement, I think, because you know that that was shot completely asynchronously. The director had to make sure the actors knew exactly what the through line was. And it's because it's shot on different locations with different characters, with different actors, yep. all communicating one consciousness and one idea. Right. Uh, I just, and then you have to assemble it and make it coherent. That must have cost a gajillion dollars, taken so much time and for planning. So, uh, you know, we're getting, I'm giving out uh, laudits to so many people because it's, this is, this episode, this pilot, I think, is an achievement yeah. for television, for sure. No, no, it, it certainly is. Um, yeah. So, uh, anyway, oh, snap, the Cardassians showed up first and they got in the wormhole and messed everything up. Of course, the wormhole snaps shut and disappears. And so that is the end of Act Six. Uh oh. And uh, so we, uh, of course, you know, Ducat's in there causing trouble. And we go back to Cisco speaking with the wormhole aliens in Act Seven. And they explain here what we talked about before. It turns out people are going into the wormhole, messes with the aliens. Cisco keeps trying to explain how it's like to navigate life in a linear timeline when you don't know the consequences of your actions before you do them. He uses the Chicago Cubs from the 30s to do it by way of a sports metaphor. Uh, they apparently could afford to rent a whole bunch of old-timey cars um, to be in the background, but not a stadium, apparently. Uh, there's an exploration in the nature of humanity, valuing the unknown. And uh, back at the station, the Cardassians show up looking for Dukat, who went through the wormhole, uh, and they don't believe it, blah, 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 surrender or die. This is where we find out that the uh, the uh, station doesn't have any shields or much weaponry. Uh 
Oh. So uh, as Act 8 happens, they have called for help from the Enterprise to come rescue the situation, but they're 20 hours away. Uh, so, uh-oh, the Cardassians are there. They're causing trouble. We're about to have a pew-pew. Back in the wormhole, Cisco discovers, uh, interestingly, he is trapped in his trauma. Because damn, these aliens should be my therapist. And uh, <laughs> damn, Avery Brooks is bringing it. I wrote so, the same thing. I wrote the same thing down. I was like, wow. <laughs> now they flipped it. He spent all this time talking about how we don't know what's about to happen and how we're moving forward constant, perpetually. And they're like, oh, yeah, but uh, about that, you stuck here. Why are and, you stuck in the past? Yeah, and I'm like, oh, damn, what a great flip. And also, wow, we're now we're talking about trauma and mental health. Okay, episode. Not just the the reality of linear time itself, but let's get into your mental shit, too. This is, uh, like I said, big swings. Balls. Big. That's the episode. That is, that's it for me, Keith. That's my summation. The balls of this episode and the characters on it. Because meanwhile, our people back on the Deep Space Nine are going to do a bluff, a huge bluff. With everybody's lives on on the line. That's right. That's right. I mean, I, and I, I have to say, like, with Avery Brooks' moment of realization that he's trapped in this trauma, God, he is so... This is where, like, they're like, oh, 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 damn. Like, mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. this guy has got it. And, um, you know, I, and even as a child watching this, I was like, ooh, I get that. I get that and it's profound and it's a it's a character defining moment not only in the the revelation that he's trapped in his trauma but in his growth out of it mm -hmm. um by learning from this experience um so uh anyway as you said back on the station uh in our battle with the Cardassians Kira bluffs the Cardassians and O'Brien makes it look like they've got defenses uh, turns out, don't play cards with Kira mm -hmm. because uh, she's gonna bluff the crap out of you, and and has fixed her hair <laughs> from the uh, first half well, of the she, pilot. Yeah, well, because you know she was doing some manual labor. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so again, we get some great shots of the model with the ship here, and uh, you know, guess what? The battle begins anyway. Uh, oh yeah, and so here we have some shots of uh, of Avery Brooks working through his trauma here oh he's so good um yeah we, we you know we're, sometimes the screenshots get out of get out of place here but you can really that's see right, yeah that's yeah, all right um so the uh the battle begins anyway pew pew stuff starts to blow up and uh the station itself is getting its ass kicked um and so we have some some great sort of uh, battle stuff. They shoot the the only photon torpedoes they have as a bluff. Uh, doesn't matter. They're going to start blowing stuff up. So what did you think about the, the sort of battle that happens here? Well, you know, the bluff I thought was cool. And I, I liked what it does. It did for the Kira character and also everyone's respect for her. Uh, but I also it's also like we've seen that beat on every episode I've ever kind of seen it's there's always the up oh, we don't have as many we don't have enough guns like what are we going to do what where do we divert power from to get enough power into the one thing to shoot the shooty so right. not the most uh innovative beat but still the money's there and the battle goes on long enough for you to be like oh shit how are we going to get out of this until we see the reveal of the the uh the wormhole reopening 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I what I liked about setting this up, and you know, and yes, look, there's always an element of space western mm-hmm. with Star Trek here. Um, but we've we've been on next gen on the flagship of the Federation. The Enterprise is the biggest, baddest, toughest ship out there. It's it's outmatches in a battle almost anything else in the galaxy. And they've got a bazillion photons, torpedoes, and blah, 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 blah. To have this giant station with almost no defenses whatsoever, I think adds an element to this. Like, they're pretty vulnerable. And it adds a it adds danger as an element here. We're, we're right here next to Cardassian space. You've got the bad guys there with all their ships and all their guns. And the ship, you know, the, the space station looks big, but there's almost nothing. There's nothing there. It's not. It's. It hasn't been built up. There's no defenses, so I think that's an interesting element here. Um, meanwhile, uh, happily in this battle, uh, Bashir gets to do something. He gets to. He gets to do something other than hit on Dax. He gets to do some doctoring, uh, so that's helpful. Put and we your see, finger there. Press yeah. hard. And we see some vulnerability from Odo. Yeah, who that was cool. He's sort of out of his depth in this and he 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 doesn't know a great deal uh, about medicine or anatomy because he's goo so uh i, I think that was a, a nice little beat there uh you know kira obviously at this point is forced to surrender but wait the wormhole opens and out comes cisco towing ducat's ship uh which is impressive considering the size of a runabout versus a cardassian warship um, but we're not worrying about scale. Uh, it's the pilot. We're not worrying about how far you can transport. Eh, well, don't worry about it. And uh, but I mean, that's a great shot. How cool is that? Uh, all of those visual effects. And uh, Cisco comes back, and everybody is happy. Um, so uh, the the wormhole aliens uh, basically disabled the Cardassian ship gave it to Cisco who took them out. We could have made that a little bit, little bit more clear. A but. lot happens up in that wormhole that we don't, that they just kind of like, they're like, okay, it's cool now. And that's the other thing. Like, did he, what was the trigger? Like they saw in him that he, he recognized his trauma or did he just like be, get better? And they're like, oh, okay, we fixed it. So now he can go. I got there. That was a little murky for me. No, I, I think, you know, with the, with the the context of of knowing the series what he did in that interaction was effectively communicate to the wormhole aliens that a uh this is what my deal is like you know our species linear time we don't know the consequences of our actions we have um you know, we. This is how we operate in space and time because it's hard to explain to somebody like something omnipotent with this in all spaces and times at the same time. So he was able to effectively communicate what the deal was, but also, more importantly, effectively communicate that we're not trying to hurt you. Like we're 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 not trying to be a threat. Um, we're 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 good folks, right? And thus being able to effectively communicate with these wormhole aliens fulfills the destiny of uh, being the emissary because he is, he found, he found the celestial temple and was able to communicate with 
the prophets, you know, from the point of view of the Bajorans. And this is like a thing that's going to be a part of the whole series, right? Are they wormhole aliens or are they prophets? Is it a wormhole? Is it the celestial temple? You know, the, the nature of science versus religion. It's going to be a whole thing going mm -hmm. on here. Uh, but for now, that's what happens. Cisco comes open in. Open highway. Wormholes open. Wormholes open. Everybody's happy. The Enterprise shows up. Um, and the Federation calls dibs on the wormhole because it's in Bajoran space. And now that the Federation is there, you know, again, they're NATO. So the Cardassians aren't going to screw with NATO yet. They're not ready to do that. They just lost. Um, and uh, we have a final scene where Picard shows up in Cisco's office. And, uh, you know, in the previous scene between the two of them, Cisco's like, I don't know if I want this job. And uh, in this case, after this journey that he's been on, all of a sudden Cisco has a purpose again. Cisco feels like he knows why he's there and what he wants to accomplish. And he's like, hey, remember when I didn't want the job? Uh, please don't tell them that. And Picard's like, I didn't because I'm Picard. I know how this works. Um, and, uh, you know, we uh, we get that little moment and we see little slices of life returning to normal. The oh, yeah, Of course, we see, uh, you know, Quark harassing Kira. And so on and so forth. We think, you know, it's played for laughs because it's 1993, as opposed to, <laughs> you know, laying hands on a woman against her uh, without her consent, which is not cool. Uh, so, what did you think about uh, the conclusion of all of this, Mike? Like I said, the, the the machinations of as to what happens at the end in the in the wormhole there aren't particularly clear, but it doesn't really matter because you kind of went on the journey with them. Clearly, they whatever needed whatever lock needed to be unlocked, he unlocked it which is the important thing. And also there's a, a good bit of, uh, I think, overall exposition where they're like, well, now the wormhole's open and that just means it's going to be a highway now for exploration, for study, for research. So, you know, we need to look over it. So obviously the ongoing mission is established. The the ongoing conflict with the Cardassians is established. And also, you know, the team isn't at full like uh, kumbaya moments yet. So we know that there's some... Uh, some nation building inside of our own team that needs to take place. So great setup. I mean, exactly what you asked for. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, you know, we've talked through the whole episode. Let's do our little after show show and uh, recap some of our fun stuff. Starting off uh, with Keith and Mike's favorite moments of Emissary Part 2. Mike, you go first this time. Yeah, sure. For me, it's the whole linear time sequence for multiple reasons. One, just the swing alone, just the like the huge, dense, obtuse concept that needs to be broken down, not only effectively for the character as a means of communication to this species, but also to us, the audience. It can't get too heavy. It has to, it has to be TV friendly. And I thought they knocked it out of the park. Additionally, as I mentioned, the way it's shot with the limited sort of effect ability they had is cool, but more for me, just the direction and the editing of putting it all shot, all these shots together to make a a streamlined bit of of, of dialogue, because really that's what it is. It's, it's it really feels intimate dialogue between one and one character, and it ends with the best emotional beat in the whole pilot, um, and really brings that the relationship with the wife full circle, but also just the acknowledgement of personal trauma. I just think that whole sequence is, is the standout moment for me. Yeah. Well, I, I have, I have two answers 
right? Because I watched this in 1993 when I was 13. And then I Underboob, watched it. Underboob, Keith, are we going back to Underboob? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I, I will preface this by uh, if there's ever Underboob, that all that automatically wins. Automatically okay, wins. fair, uh, fair. Uh, but uh, Underboob aside, uh, when I was 13, I loved the the bluff, right, and mm. the battle, and I loved, you know, Kira being a badass and and the sort of like, how can we trick them into thinking we have a bunch of guns and we don't, and like the like how cool that was, you know, and the explosions and the battle, and they they put a lot of effort into, you know, they built that huge beautiful set and then they fucked it up immediately by blowing stuff up it was cool i really liked that part today in 2022 i'm with you right the the exploration of linear time but but more than that i want these wormhole aliens to be my therapist because being stuck in trauma right like that's such a it's obvious and yet incredibly well articulated and shown and and with Avery Brooks's performance in there it's incredibly moving um i thought it did wonders for establishing the character but also establishing like you said the big swings mm-hmm. on this sh- on this show that that we're going to get into it right this mm-hmm. is you know deep space nine's going to get into it and it's going to be you know they're going to get into the deep and dark sometimes and um, in a way that the other series didn't as much, right? You know, Next Gen certainly had some darker moments, but nothing like what this series is going to explore. And Voyager had some darker moments, but nothing like what this is going to, you know, the journey that we're about to go on. So um, I really, really liked it. I found it moving. I continue to find it moving. Um, I think it's just excellent. You know, that moment is just excellent. So... We have now watched the entire part one and part two. It is time to give it a rating. Uh, um, you know, Mike, out of uh, out of a hundred, because out of ten, there's 176 episodes. You know, if we're gonna really rate these, let's take it out of a hundred. Okay. Wow. All right. Whoo. Yeah. Of really, really think it through. You have 175 more episodes. <laughs> to well. Rank Okay, well, here are the things. I thought it looked like a million bucks. I have questions. Are they going to be able to keep up that type of look? Like, is it going to look that It looked that like 12 million bucks. So, yeah, it, it looked really good. Um, and what I really dug is the huge concepts are cool. I'm glad. Uh, that's what I like about sci-fi, those kind of questions. So that's, that's going to be great. I also like that coming in, I don't know a ton of the Star Trek lore, but they dabble in enough of it here What's the nature of the trill? What's the nature of this being? What's the nature of uh, where uh, Odo came from? They they dropped enough mm-hmm. little breadcrumbs where if you want to really get into the weeds with that, you can really nerd out on it and, and keep an eye open for all the lore. It's actually what I like about this episode and thus far about the series is it's very video... It's the stuff I like about video games, right? It's not that the action twitch moment to moment combat per se which a lot of people love cool but it's more about the role play right the here are the characters we're going to get some interesting dialogue yeah a lot of babble techno babble you can get into it if you want and understand that stuff or you don't have to if you want to explore the weeds for the lore 
you can do that. Or we're also gonna give you a really pretty straightforward narrative with some still some choices and some questions. You That's what you need to mainline, but you've got these other things here if you want. It doesn't force it down your throat. All that stuff's great. As far as a pot, so the world, dude, I'm in, love it. As far as the, uh, the plot goes, mm -hmm, Charlie agrees. Yeah, Char here, here's Charlie's making his first appearance on the show. He is does not want to be on camera. Uh, I I think <laughs> as far as a pilot goes is what I mean. It's uh, yeah. I, I I like the characters, but more importantly, I have questions about all of them, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm so I'm excited on that angle. I think they've shown such great design elements character wise set wise color wise direction wise uh mm -hmm. i like the way it's shot so i'm invested there and they sort of pitched a larger mission right they they've established the world and now the stories will will, will take place atop it so as far as achieving the things you want out of a pilot I, I can't think of something better i thought that they had a lot of ideas and it seems like they heavily edited the episode at, so to make it fit within an hour and a half. Yeah. So some of it was a little uneven, especially I felt it was back heavy. The good stuff was in the back. The, the top, there were some clunkers in the beginning. All in, I w see, it's hard for me not to equate the number scale to like grade levels. This is an A, I think, for me. So I'm going to give it an 88 what, what just number we got to give it 88 somethings 88 somethings yeah i don't i don't know what are the somethings i don't know help well, us out if we don't figure it out what do yeah. you think down below let us know yeah leave, leave a comment we need a a currency mm -hmm. it's it's gotta it's gotta it's not gold pressed latinum well, for, are we be... calling these the km the the what the chemis the kamemis the kamemis well, uh, we we would have if we were going to give out more awards, but we're not really giving out any awards I know, yet. So, you're right. Well, so it's I, all going to come into place. It's a pilot, yeah, well, baby. I, look, it's our it's our pilot too. We're we're going to be expanding and growing and adding lots of different nonsense. Oh, to I'm this expanding. Week that's out. for sure. I'm so expanding. Uh, yeah, you can literally see me expanding on camera. <laughs> uh, so 88. Yeah. Okay. So 88 uh, currency that feels to very be high. named later. It feels very high. It it feels well. It feels high. I mean, there's definitely. Uh, it's, it's up there. Yeah. You know what, for me, I'm looking at this with hindsight. I'm mm -hmm. looking at it with a view at, at 173 episodes, not 176, but a lot of episodes here, you know, and, and obviously this is, does not rise to the stratosphere of what deep space nine can do, you know, by any stretch. But as a pilot and for accomplishing what it needs to accomplish here, I think it's very successful. And um, you know, and look, not all the first couple of seasons are as successful as as it it comes out later. Um, hey, Charlie apparently wants to be the third yeah, third host on this. We're just uh, two old guys sitting in our bedrooms. We can't hide. with our cats. That's like literally what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> Uh, but I, I think as a pilot goes, it was remarkable work, um, and, and does a lot of really good work And a pilot. A lot of a pilot is eating your vegetables mm -hmm. and, and giving a ton of exposition and having to do it. And some characters were set up beautifully. Some characters weren't really, um, I think, you know, some of the, uh, 
you know, some of the look of it wasn't quite right yet. Some of the characterization I'll tell you wasn't what's right, quite though, right yet. We talked about her last week, the sound of it, right? The sound, yeah. of it, the sound, the sound world is great. Yeah, well, you know, they, they know what they're doing. Uh, so I'm going to give it 82. Okay. Whatever. So uh, <laughs> if it, if it, it, rating it as a pilot be a little higher than that, rating it on as like an episode episode, I think it's an 82. I think it's a, I think it's a very solid, if not spectacular, debut for, uh, for Deep Space Nine. So uh, before we go on to our last little segment, Mike, are you excited? For the next 172 episodes, I am. It sounds daunting, uh, <laughs> but we've done it before. We have done it before, uh, but I do. I am excited. I was excited, really, uh, about midway through this pilot is when I started to get really excited because I was like, "This show's not." I mean, obviously, you you adore it, so I know that it's not a clunker, but uh, I was invested, and and as as. I can't stress this enough, as stupid as it sounds. I talk about it on the toy show all the time. I, I'm starting to feel invited, which sometimes I, I haven't always felt because you're so yeah. behind, right? Yeah. Um, I started to feel invited, like this could be a show for me and maybe the entry point that I've been looking for. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, in, into all of Trek. Now that's exciting. And you know, I will say one last thing before uh, Mike pitches next week's episode. Uh, Unlike a lot of shows, and unlike perhaps, you know, the other show that we, we're working on, Deep Space Nine gets better mm. every season. So season one that we're about to get into is the worst season. And every season, subsequent season, gets markedly better. And I think that should be something to be excited about, right? By the time season six and seven are going on, it's going to be, I can't believe, you know, like you're going to be screaming at me. To get to I'm going to turn into a velociraptor. You're going to turn into a velociraptor. It's going to be so, so bear, bear with the show. Okay. At the beginning, All we're right. going to be laying some groundwork that's going to go in some unbelievably cool places okay so with that in mind uh mike what's what's the next week episode next week's episode about uh i'm not gonna get crazy here yet because i we haven't mm -hmm. really found i haven't found the tone of this segment just yet this is the first time we're doing it but i will say that i expect next week we have to settle into our serial hey. nature to be fair this is mike's imagination mike has not seen the next episode and he knows exactly as much as he knows about star trek yes, in general correct I think we got to start establishing a, like a, a a freak of the week. Like we got to start getting a, ba a new baddie every week because that okay. feels like the kind of show uh, we're going to need for like our A section of the show. So I think that starts next week. I don't think it's just going to be the Cardassians all the time. We have to have cool, interesting bad guys and mm -hmm. conflict. Yep. Um, next week, though, the other thing I'm waiting for in Mike's imagination, Keith, is the stuff you hate. What are the flirty flirts? Because you know uh, there's going to be some flirty flirts. Like, that's... I think we got to get that instantly. So I'm saying bad guys, weekly bad guys, flirty mm -hmm. flirts, and okay. also, where's the... Da -da -bum, but we need comedy relief. Okay. So those are the three big, I uh, think, chunks we're going to start getting into next week. Okay. So, well, if you're in the writer's room, you just pitched us elements. 
So <laughs> next week, we're going to need a story. <laughs> we need a bad guy, a flirty flirt, and a comedy wink. We, we should have some good acting. We should have some good sets. We should have a great story. What do you think about space? Yeah. Let's do, uh, we're starting to sound like Trump again. Let's have a great story. It's going to be good amazing. Space. It's going to be the most space of it's all of them. It's going to be space station. It's going to be amazing. All right, folks. Thank you so much for watching our little Deep Space Nine review show. If you enjoyed this, or even if you didn't, you know, out of spite, leave us a rating and review and smash the notification bell. Uh, we're excited to have see the conversation uh, right down here below uh, to read everything that you write and try to respond to as much of it as we can. Uh, we... Uh, it's, it's going to be really fun. And we're just beginning the journey. Don't worry. We're going to do it. Uh, we did eight seasons of the practice. So don't you worry. We are actually going to uh, I made two commitments in my life. I, to get That's married true. to my wife, I made a vow. Mm -hmm. And I've made now two blood oaths to Keith to watch all the episodes. And you clearly spend more time online <laughs> with me than you do with your wife. So <laughs> there I think it is. It's <laughs> On that little nugget. <laughs> Thank you for watching. This has been Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. We will see you next week. Somebody find me an orb. I, I have some things I need to work through emotionally. <laughs> Thank you for watching KME Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. <laughs>